Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Dear brothers and sisters, welcome back to Quran 30 for 30 Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen We are blessed now to be almost a week into Ramadan And we are blessed with Fadilat uh, al-Sheikh Dr. Tahir Wyatt MashaAllah to join us for the first time Alhamdulillah also one of the most frequent guests last year um, But I was telling him before MashaAllah that hat is like the That's the best the best appearance Alhamdulillah we ever had So uh, MashaAllah I think that we Allah need you every night just, just Allah to make an appearance Allah. with the hat, Sheikh, inshallah. Fadilat uh, al-Doktor was uh, born in West Philadelphia, born and raised, and then made his way to Medina, finished his PhD, alhamdulillah. You know, got into some some issues with Sheikh Abdullah Duru at some point in Medina when they made up, alhamdulillah. I don't think so, that happened, man. I don't think that happened. <laughs> no, 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 never, never, alhamdulillah. <laughs> By, by, by the way, by the way, yeah. uh, just uh, just a plug for in West Philadelphia, born and raised. You know, uh, Charlie Mack, uh, the one that spins Will Smith around. You know, he took Shahada. Alhamdulillah, he's a Muslim. Allahu Akbar. Nah. Allah. We're gonna have to get him on Quran thirty four. He, he's actually looking to make Hajj this year. Inshallah. Allahu so. Akbar. Yassarallahu lahu wa lana ya Rabb. Amen. May Allah make it easy for him and for all of us, ya Rabb. So, Sheikh Tahir, we're happy to have you, uh, Tabarakallah. And of course, Sheikh Tahir, on a serious note, is the director of, of uh, research director of uh, systematic theology, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. And uh, before we even get started, actually, we've been plugging, Sheikh, every single night the dua book that you did. And I don't think everyone has been able to avail themselves of the full benefits. SubhanAllah, uh, you know, my family has benefited. I know Sheikh Abdullah was just sharing that, that, that his family has benefited. And I know the amount of work that was put into it, alhamdulillah. So we've been saying the Quran 30 for 30 book from last year, but then the dua a day, uh, which you can download at the link, inshallah ta'ala, in the comments, uh, somewhere somewhere over there. I don't know. I think that's the points to Sheikh Abdullah that way. Uh, or yaqeeninstitute.org slash Ramadan. But Sheikh, uh, can, you, can you talk about that book for a bit, inshallah ta'ala? Uh, sure. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa ma ba'd. Let me just first say it's an honor to be here, alhamdulillah. And uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward all of those who, uh, reward with good, all of those who are uh, making this a reality, this Quran 30 for 30, and all of the other work that's being done to get uh, solid content out to people during this blessed month of Ramadan. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, in the context of talking about the obligation of fasting, the month of Ramadan, uh, and uh, the revelation of the Quran, he, in that same context, right there in the middle, uh, talking about the uh, verses that deal with the fasting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, commands us to call upon him. Or he mentions to the Prophet if my servants ask, uh, you about me, I am close. I am close. I answer the call of those who call upon me when they call upon me. The, the reality is, is that this month of Ramadan, there is a, you know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is drawing our attention to the fact that we should be increasing in dua in this month of Ramadan. Now, we should frequently call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and frequently supplicate and if we just follow the life of the Prophet وسلم, uh, we will see that he was always in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, frequently calling upon him. And we want to emulate that. And the, the fact of the matter is when we feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near, we need to you know, call upon him to manage for us our affairs, to give us what we need in this life. 
and to grant us success in the next life. That being said, um, there are a lot of dua books out there, right? There's a lot of places that a person can turn to find dua. Uh, the, what makes this book unique, uh, this booklet of dua unique, in my humble opinion, is that it not only gives you the words, the prophetic words, the supplications of the Prophet but it also gives you the context and it gives you an overview of the meaning. And this is very important. Because the du'a of the Prophet are not some magic formula that you just say um, and then things happen. The Prophet told us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept the supplication that comes from a negligent uh, and preoccupied, distracted heart. And if, we're, if we don't really know what we're saying, uh, then the heart is going to be distracted. Uh, it, 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 in order to really, you know, put meaning into the du'a, we have to know what we're saying. And that's why, you know, we didn't just put the words there. We gave a, you know, we provided both the context and an overview. That is followed by notable benefits. So some things that we extracted from the uh, du'as. And then the other unique feature um, uh, in this um, booklet is that there's a transition from one du'a to the next. And so it creates, you know, a beautiful uh, connection between the first du'a and the second du'a, and the second du'a and the third du'a. And inshallah ta'ala, you know, we hope that people will benefit from it uh, tremendously. I do recommend reading through the introduction. That's the longest part. And then when you get into the du'as, literally, you can just spend a few minutes every day. I recommend trying to read it with family and memorizing it together. And making this a part of your routine, making this a part of your life, making this a Ramadan where you actually change not just in ramadan but beyond ramadan that you mend your relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you develop and nurture it even further um, the, the book is, is incredible alhamdulillah it's free um and it's it's for the benefit of everyone inshallah ta'ala and actually the 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 book with commentary uh will be released inshallah ta'ala today or is released today, inshallah ta'ala. So please make sure that you download that. Even if you had the, the book with the du'as, now the commentary is there, inshallah ta'ala, with uh, with uh, greater elaboration with the night ta'ala and more benefits. So jazakumullah khairan to, to all of you, and jazakumullah khairan, Dr. Tahir. And uh, Sheikh Abdullah, welcome welcome back to the show. I'm, I'm sorry, man, I skipped over, subhanAllah. I was supposed to, I got carried away talking about Philly and Medina, and then I and I bless you and, and increase you always. Uh, and inshallah, tonight we're going to actually be going in a different order um, because Sheikh Tahir and I wanted to talk about the same thing, inshallah ta'ala. So Sheikh Tahir is going to pick up um, after I, I finish uh, just introducing the chapter with the night and then Sheikh Abdullah uh, will take it from there with the night ta'ala. So now we get to Surat Al-Ma'idah ta'ala. Surat Al-Ma'idah is different from the previous surahs in that Surat Al-Ma'idah is actually considered to be the last major revelation of the Quran. So when you're talking about, you know, the, the historical context and situating the suwar, Surah Al-Baqarah largely in the first year after Hijrah, Ali Imran largely in the second year, and then, uh, you know, between the end of Ali Imran and then into Anisa, largely the third and then the fourth year uh, of uh, Medina after Hijrah. Here you actually have the 10th year after Hijrah, the last major revelation. And subhanAllah, I just want to say that this should give us a lot of pride as Muslims in 
the character of the Prophet and the character of the revelation that was coming to him, the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set a standard for this community. Because what you see in Surah Al-Ma'idah, and, and it's it's so powerful from start to end, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calling us as a community, the community of the Prophet to be most honorable as we have the most power bestowed upon us, right? So, you know, there's this narrative that once you get powerful, you forsake your principles. And that is true for many people. But with the Prophet wasallam, we see that as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with more authority, that there was a higher standard, that there was, you know, a, a, a principled stance on everything that we can admire and honor as believers. And so the very beginning, subhanAllah, of Surah Al-Ma'idah, imagine this is when the community is at its strongest. Ya amanu, bil-uqud. Oh, you who believe, honor your covenants. SubhanAllah, honor your covenants with Allah. Honor your covenants with the people around you. Honor your covenants amongst yourselves. So be honorable because we know that people take advantage of covenants and they tend to break covenants when? When they're in a position of power. And the message to the Prophet وسلم, and to the believing community is honor your covenants. Ya amanu, awfu bil-uqud. And then after that, subhanAllah, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, la tuhillu sha'air Allah, wala shahra al-haram, wala al-hadiyya, wala al-qala'id, wala amin al-bayt al-haram, yabtaguna fadla min rabbihim wa ridwana. O believers, do not desecrate the symbols of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So honor the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rights as in R-I-T-E-S, the symbols of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not desecrate those symbols, nor the holy month, nor the animals of sacrifice, nor the animals that are intended to be sacrificed, nor treat those who are coming out to the Kaaba seeking their, 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 their the reward from their Lord and his bounty. Do not uh, desecrate them or do not ill-treat them. So subhanAllah, the first command is honor your covenants. The second command is honor the sacred rites. And what's very powerful about that is that we've been going through all of these lessons from nations that came before us. And the lesson is not to play with the law. And the law is usually played with to take advantage of people and exploit people. And here, subhanAllah, look at the, the standard for the community. Look at the standard for the nation of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam that you honor your covenants, that you honor the law of Allah, that you honor the rights of Allah, that you honor the, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made sacred, and you do not transgress sacred times, sacred places, sacred symbols, or manipulate the law. And of course, we know that in the days of ignorance, they used to shift around the, uh, the, the sacred months, right, to allow them to fight at times when they weren't supposed to be fighting, to allow them to offer things or to do things that were not appropriate to the time. So whether you're the pagans in Mecca and shifting, you know, the months around, shifting the sacred rites, even though they didn't have much of, you know, a theology that governed them, or you're from the people of the book and the people of the book not applying the law across the board and uh, and selectively applying the law, the message is the same. And the message to the Prophet and to his community is to, uh, is to move forward with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made sacred, and do not turn away from any of those things, and do not forsake any of those laws or any of those, those symbols or seasons from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, when you go through Surah Al-Ma'idah, realize now that this is talking about the context of Fatah Mecca, you know, the conquest of Mecca now, where things have, have really changed, right? The tables have turned, the Muslims are in a place of power, the Muslims could technically exploit and take advantage of people, 
they also could betray the Prophet right? So there's a new wave of hypocrisy that exists now, right? Which really rears its ugliest head after the death of the Prophet with those that are claiming to be uh, prophets themselves. But you know, you you go through these and you start to see how some of these things would resonate. So, for example, when you go to verse uh, twenty, where Allah subhanahu, or, or I'm sorry, one more thing I have to mention here, verse eight, uh, where Allah subhanahu wa taala reveals, "Ya yuladina amanu kunu qawwa mina lilla shuhada abil qist wala yajlimanakum shana'anu qawmin ala Allah taadilu eadilu hu akrabul taqwa wa taqullah inna Allah khabirun bima ta'malun." O believers, be upright bearers of witness for Allah and do not let the enmity of any people move you to swerve from justice. Be just and that is nearer to taqwa, that is nearer to God consciousness and be mindful of Allah. Surely Allah is well aware of what you do. So subhanAllah, you've got now you know, at your, at your height of power a reminder to be just with everybody, a reminder to be just with the Muslims, a reminder to be just with those who are at your, you know, who, who are now under your authority. And then you go to verse 20, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, Musa alayhi salam. And remember when Musa alayhi salam said to his people, he said to his qawm, Ya qawm, ithkuru ni'matallahi alaykum, if ja'ala fikum anbiya wa ja'alakum muluka wa atakum ma'lam yu'ti ahadan min al-alameen. Oh my people, remember God's favor upon you when he raised prophets amongst you and appointed amongst you kings and granted you that which you had not. And Musa alayhi salam calling them to go forth, uh, you know, for, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, calling them to enter into Jerusalem, but they fall short on that command. They, uh, they make excuses not to go forth to Jerusalem, and we know what comes next, right? We know the 40 years that comes after that. Uh, as a result of that, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِنَّهَا مُحَرَّمَةٌ عَلَيْهِمْ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةٌ that verily this land will now be forbidden to them for 40 years and they will remain um, they'll remain wandering about in the earth now where where does this tie into the muslims now um this community of the prophet was willing to go to mecca in Hudayb they were willing to be persecuted in mecca they were willing to go to mecca in Hudaybiyah, where uh they were putting their lives at risk right they were they were not armed but they were willing to go forth in Hudaybiyah, and that's why allah was pleased with them Bay'atul Ridwan, right? This is a post Bay'atul Ridwan um, uh, uh, context. Bay'atul Ridwan is the pledge of Ridwan where the believers took a pledge in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah to go forth to Mecca, knowing that they would probably be killed, right, by their enemies who were well armed and who did not operate on the same level of ethics or principles. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased with them for their intention to be willing to do so. And then, of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the next year, granted them the actual Fatah of Mecca, the actual conquest of Mecca, where they still went forth. And this time they had with them, right, the, the full armor and arms and authority and still, subhanAllah, one of the greatest displays of ethics and humanity and mercy was the way the Prophet and the believers behaved when they entered into Mecca. So not only was Mecca granted to them, Mecca was granted to them in honor and they were honorable when Mecca was granted to them. So they, they're abiding by that, right? They were not forbidden from Mecca or forbidden from their homes because of anything within them. So it's a praise for the community as well. Finally, um, you know, a, a, a beautiful narration, inshallah ta'ala, which, uh, which, which, which Sheikh Tahir will, will pick up on, Dr. Tahir will talk about. And that is the narration in Al-Bukhari 
where Umar ibn Khattab anhu says that once there was a Jewish man who said to me, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, O leader of the believers, there is a verse in your book which is read by you as Muslims. Had it been revealed to us, we would have taken that day as a Eid. We would have marked that day as a day of celebration. And so this Jewish man is admiring this verse in the Quran and sharing with Umar ibn Khattab anhu that this verse that you have is amazing and it should have a Eid, a celebration that marks it. And Umar anhu said, what is that verse? And he uh, responded that it is uh, verse uh, uh, 3 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا that, that verily today I have perfected your religion for you. I have completed my favor upon you, my ni'mah. Remember, remember th this constant, remember the ni'mah of Allah upon you. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, I have completed my ni'mah upon you, my favor upon you, and I have chosen for you Islam as your religion. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, indeed, we know when and where this verse was revealed to the Prophet It was Friday, and it was when the Prophet was standing at Arafah. SubhanAllah, there's so much to talk about. First of all, the fact that it actually is a Eid, not because we mark the verse uh, as a day of Eid, but because the verse came down at a time of actually two Eids, the Eid of Friday, and the Eid of Al-Adha, right? The Eid of Al-Hajj. Um, secondly, some of the scholars, uh, just, just to point out here, some of the scholars, they say that uh, the man that's speaking, uh, he was either a, a, a Jewish man or someone, uh, or some of them said it might have been Ka'b ibn al-Ahbar, who of course was a former high-ranking rabbi and a scholar of the Torah who became Muslim. And so he was, he was expressing that amazement. So some of the scholars say that. Uh, some of the wisdoms as well that some of the ulama mentioned here <clears throat> of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending this down on the day of Arafah is that the original covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alastu bi rabbikum. Am I not your Lord? And you're acknowledging the oneness of Allah. Now you prove it by following his commands that have been perfected on the same day, the day that marks that covenant, that initial covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also the scholars mentioned the favor coming down upon the people as they were in a state of dua in Arafah, and the greatest favor upon us is this deen, which, which I know, inshallah ta'ala, we'll get to elaborate on, bidnillahi ta'ala. And, um, and finally, um, you know, uh, from a historical perspective, uh, some of the scholars, like Imam al-Suddi, rahimahullah, they say that nothing from halal and haram was revealed after this verse of the Qur'an. So it was the last of the legal rulings. There's nothing that came down to the Prophet, sallallahu of legal rulings after this verse. So while it was not the last verse of the Qur'an, the, the rulings had become uh, complete, hence the, the blessing is complete. And we know, obviously, Surah Al-Nasr, Ida Ja'a Nasrullahi Wal Fatih, uh, was revealed, uh, the victory, the, the surah about the victory of the Prophet ﷺ was revealed afterwards, but there is no ruling uh, within that. And I know uh, we have, alhamdulillah, Sheikh Tahir, who will elaborate with the night and share some, some more beautiful reflections on this, inshallah. So Sheikh Tahir, you can pick up from there or wherever you please, inshallah ta'ala. Tafadlan al-Quran. Jazakallah khair. Barakallahu feekum. Alhamdulillah. Salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa min wala ma ba'd. There is a lot to talk about because we are dealing with uh, the sixth juz of the Quran, which includes, um, even though, uh, Sheikh Omar, I know you started at the, at the beginning of uh, Surah Al-Ma'idah, the fifth chapter in the Quran, but uh, part of the uh, sixth Jews, the beginning part of the sixth Jews is actually the last uh, one sixth of Surah An-Nisa, uh, the, the fourth chapter in the Quran. And Surah An-Nisa, 
is the longest surah after Surah Al-Baqarah. It's it's a juz and a half. Um, and so the last sixth of Surah Al-Nisa, starting from uh, the 148th ayah, is uh, is also in this juz. And uh, sometimes when we look, you know, what what is the common theme in the juz itself? Uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows best. But but that last part of Surah Al-Nisa, a, a good portion of it is addressing the people of the book. Uh, and if you look in Surah Al-Ma'idah as well, one of the major themes of Surah Al-Ma'idah is dealing with the people of the book or the people of the scripture, which in Quranic terms refers to the Jews and the Christians. Um, so when you look in uh, Surah Al-Ma'idah, for example, there are actually five ayahs that directly call on Ahl al-Kitab. Uh, either Ya Ahl al-Kitab or Kul Ya Ahl al-Kitab, right? Uh, o people of the book or say, O people of the book. And likewise, at the end of Surah Al-Nisa, there's one ayat that says, Kul, uh, that, that says Ya Ahl al-Kitab, O people of the book. And it's addressing them. And so this theme is is in the six Jews. I mean, it's, it's a major uh, part of the six Jews that deals with uh, the doctrines of the people of the book and more specifically it's dealing with the many of the doctrines of christianity so when we look at the end of surah tanisa allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh talking about the crucifixion of isa alayhi salatu wasalam and he says uh, they did not kill him uh nor did they crucify him uh Again, without going into a lot of detail, but I, I do think that this is something that, you know, perhaps can be addressed, uh, if not in this Jews, later on down the line, inshallah. But I think it's very important uh, when we look at the major Christian doctrines of today, the original sin, the Trinity, um, uh, the, the Christian version of salvation, uh, all of these doctrines collapse uh, if there is no crucifixion of al-Masih. Uh, and there was no crucifixion of the Messiah, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains in the Quran. So I don't want to jump over that, um, even though I wasn't actually going to speak about that, but I don't want to jump over it because I think that this is a major uh, part, a major theme of this juz that should not um, be neglected. That, that being said, and speaking about the people of the book, uh, I do want to uh, further elaborate on the ayah that uh, Dr. Omar uh, left off on, which here we do have this Jewish man. And, and it does come in some of the narrations that it's Kaab al-Ahbar, who was actually one of the tabi'in. But at the time of him asking this question or, or approaching Omar, the uh, leader of the believers, anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, at the time he approached him, he was not yet a Muslim. Um, and, and it shows, I mean, that the fact that there were Jews uh, that, that had remained in Medina after the time of the Prophet, alayhi was um, And uh, this one approaching Umar, anhu, and then later on accepting Islam is pretty phenomenal. It also shows that he had uh, a pretty decent understanding of the Book of Allah. Uh, and that he was reading the Quran and that the Jews were reading the Quran, which is very interesting. So he comes to Umar and he says, 
uh, as uh, Sheikh Omar already mentioned, that there's this, this ayah in your book. So subhanAllah, the fact that this ayah was so important that he is saying, and he is from the learned of the Jews, he is saying that had this been revealed to us, we would have taken that day as an Eid, as a day of celebration. Uh, it should show us as Muslims that we should celebrate the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has completed uh, his favor upon us and has perfected the deen. Uh, and, and that was for no other uh, you know, set of laws that came before the laws of Islam. That being said, uh, let me just restate the ayat so uh, we're very clear on what it is that we're talking about here. This is a portion of the third ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah, which is the fifth chapter of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That today I have perfected for you your deen. Uh, deen we often translate as religion, and that is a valid translation because religion does not just refer to, from a linguistic perspective, you know, in the English language, it does not just refer to something that is personal. Uh, as many as some would assert. No, a, a religion is a, a, a set of beliefs, uh, values, and practices, in fact, um, that are based on the uh, spiritual teachings uh, of a leader, in this case, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, if we look at the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no deen other than Islam. Uh, so all of the prophets who came before were Muslim. Though they were not actually teaching the Sharia, the laws, specific, the specific laws that Muhammad ibn Abdullah taught. So in this ayah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I have perfected for you your deen, and I have completed my ni'mah or my favor upon you, and I have chosen or I am pleased with Islam for you all as a deen. That Islam, he is specifically referring to the Islam that was taught by the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, there are quite a few things um, that need to be said about this. I, I will try to keep my comments brief, but I think it's very important for us, number one, as Muslims to recognize this favor, to just realize, subhanAllah, and I think, I think many of us uh, I, I speak for myself as a person who has accepted Islam. I'm sure Sheikh Abdullah Oduro, you know, would, would share these sentiments that prior to having this deen, prior to knowing the perfection of Islam, we were lost. You know, the, the meaning of life was very vague. Uh, if, if, in fact, you know, we thought that there was a meaning to life, and I'm not talking about your specific calling, I'm talking about why were you created and where are you going? You know, the fact that now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has perfected this deen and then guided people to follow it is a great, great honor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we should recognize as Muslims. And the perfection of that deen and the completion of his favor means that the laws of Islam have been complete that the belief system of Islam was complete on that day. And this is why Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, 
upon reciting this verse, he says, Whatever was not considered to be deen, whatever was not Islam on that day, when that ayat was revealed, then it will not be Islam today. And this is something for us, you know, as Muslims, we also, we, we really should take pride in the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided us to this. A, um, a man came to Salman al-Farisi, one of the mushrikeen. Uh, a mushrik came to Salman al-Farisi, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Salman was one of the companions of the Prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam. And this uh, idolater said to him, قَدْ عَلَمَكُمْ نَبِيُّكُمْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى الْخِرَاءِ يعني, Your Prophet has taught you everything, even how to go to the bathroom, even how to relieve yourselves, like the etiquettes of relieving yourselves. Now, he was mocking Salman, right? He's, he's mocking Salman by saying, you know, this is just a little too much. This is too intricate. Like your Prophet is teaching you all of these things. And Salman said, Ajal, absolutely. He taught us that when we use the bathroom, right? Whether, you know, when we're relieving ourselves not to face the Qibla and to the end of the Hadith. Yani, the point is he took pride in the fact that there is this, what some people would, con would consider to be minutia, you know, in Islam. Uh, as Muslims, we should not look at it that way. Uh, we should look at this as being a favor, that we have guidance in every single aspect of our lives, alhamdulillah, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has completed this favor upon us and that he is pleased for us to have, you know, Islam as our way of life. So he's pleased with the deen and he's pleased with the people who follow that deen. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with you, then there's nobody else that you need to please. akbar. The pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than everything. There's nothing that is greater than that. Even when the people of Jannah enter Jannah, that is what they are, that is what they will enjoy the most, looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and enjoying his pleasure. Uh, that being said, uh, I'd like to end this portion uh, with a dua that the Prophet والسلام, or, or a remembrance, a dhikr, that the Prophet وسلم, taught us to say on several occasions. Uh, and that dua is, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبًّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيًّا I am pleased with Allah as my Lord. With Islam as my deen, and with the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as a messenger or as a prophet. What is it about this dua? It ties directly into what I'll be to lakum in Islam. The Al-Yawma Akmal Tu Lakum Dinakum. I have completed my favor upon you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have uh, perfected your deen for you and completed my favor upon you. So this ties directly into that. It also ties into the questions that every person will be asked in their graves. When the angels come and they say, Marrabbuk, who is your Lord? Wamadinuk, what is your deen? Waman nabiyuk, and who is your prophet? By getting ourselves accustomed to saying that in this life, in living that, then we will have no problem answering that when we are asked in the graves, bi'idnillahi ta'ala. This particular dhikr has been uh, come that the Prophet sallallahu instructed us to say this when in the morning, 
and in the evening. And that whoever says this dua, wajabat lahu al-jannah, that the jannah has become an obligation for him. In other words, he will be from amongst the people of paradise. Again, that dua is, raditu billahi rabban wa bil-islami deenan wa bi muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabiyya. Likewise, in another hadith of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, and this one is in Sahih Muslim, he said that the Prophet Sallallahu said, whoever says after hearing the Mu'addin or upon hearing the Mu'addin, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ لَلَّهِ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَا وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّنَ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا وَبِمُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهِ لَهِ So whoever says, I testify that there is no true God except Allah alone without partner, and Muhammad is his slave and messenger, I'm pleased with Allah as my Lord, with Islam as my deen, and with Muhammad as my prophet, he will be forgiven. You get that opportunity every time you hear the mu'adhan, which means, and where are you hearing the mu'adhan? I mean, most of us who are living in the West, we're not going to hear the mu'adhan from our homes. We're gonna, we, we have to be at the masjid when the adhan is called. But try to take advantage of that. If you can get that done once a day, subhanAllah, your sins will be forgiven yani for, from saying that and living that. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Zakallah khair, Shaykhna. Barakallah fikum. Profound, subhanAllah. Um, and I remember, uh, Shaykh, with that dua in particular, there's the wajibat lahu jannah. Paradise is mandatory for him. And then after adhan, which he said, He's forgiven for all of his sins. Is the riwayah that one is is mutlaq? So there's three different narrations. There's whoever says it upon hearing the adhan. There's the one where it's just uh, whoever says it. That's the one that's in Sunan Abi Dawu. Whoever says it, wajabat lahul jannah. And then whoever says it in the morning and in the evening is what you just said, which is that it is, uh, it becomes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken it as a responsibility to please that person on the day of judgment. SubhanAllah. So we should be saying, I'm saying, we should be saying this dua in the morning and in the evening. It's something that we should incorporate. I I, I probably went over and I know this is Sheikh Abdullah's time, but let me just say something because I think it's very important. When we are pleased with Allah as our Lord, when we are pleased with the Prophet as our Prophet, we're pleased with Islam as our deen. That means we're not going against it, right? That that, that means that even if there's something in the back of my head that says, "Mm, I'm not sure about this. No, we're going to follow this. We're going to seek clarity. We're going to go to, you know, our scholars and try to get a little bit more clarity on whatever issues may be, you know, causing us some confusion or whatever like that. But we're not going to choose a different way than the way of Islam, right? This is very important because saying it is one thing and living that we are pleased with Islam is, is, is a totally, you know, it's a next level. But again, the tongue has a major effect on the heart. We shouldn't downplay that. So as we say these things, it's helping us to internalize it, right? Which is why it's very important. You know, a lot of people say, well, what's wrong with just saying this thing or that thing or listening to rap music or whatever, right? But you start internalizing these things. So it's it's important that we're saying the good things, even if we, you know, 
even if we have a little, you know, a little tension, internal tension, but just by saying it, it's like, okay, I'm supposed to be pleased, you know, and, and, yeah. and inshallah that you, you internalize that you convince yourself by Allah's exactly. leave. No. Sheikh Abdullah Tafadl. And by the way, I know it's a weekend, so we can, inshallah, take our time. Bismillah, go ahead. Sorry. What was previously mentioned, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward both of you uh, immensely for this remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, primarily with the verses of the Quran. And uh, subhanAllah, I'll never forget what one Sheikh was telling me. He's one of our Sheikh in Medina. He taught me uh, fiqh maxims. They call it qawaid al fiqhiyya Hey, Sheikh Tar, you know who it is, mashallah. Um, I remember one time we were walking after class. You know, we, you know, there's certain shuyukh that, you know, after class, it's like, after the lesson, it's like, no, I, I haven't gotten enough, you know. So yeah, you walk with him to his car, or if it's at the haram, you're walking with him to his car all the way in the sutr, you know, the open area, all the way down to the drive driveway and he was talking about yeah it's so important that you bring people back to the kitab Allah and the sunnah particularly you know he was talking about the kitab Allah when you're when you're calling them to this because it's so important and he said it's very important that you bring the, the the words of Allah to the hearts of the people you know when you you, you can mention a mas'ala or an issue but if you have the opportunity is to bring what the creator said about it and then extract from that benefits is something that is highly preferable. You know, Shaykh Ruthamin Rahimullah Ta'ala, there's been many times he had this program, or there was a program on the radio station uh, called Nur Nala Darb. And whenever he would ask, be asked a question, sometimes he would stop the questioner. Like he'll answer the question and he'll stop the questioner and say, uh, are you not going to ask me for the proof? <laughs> he said, He said, are you not going to ask me for the, for the didil? Because it's important you know, for we as Muslims to have some type of relationship with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our everyday life and things that we face and things that we encounter. Because subhanAllah, when you understand the meanings of these verses, it's going to have an effect. And that alludes to what, what uh, Dr. Taha was saying is that so even in, in, in psychology, there's a therapy of when you're speaking to yourself, I think it's called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, where you're speaking to yourself and the more you speak about it, the more it engages your thoughts about that particular thing. And the more that can become, you know, a, a belief system even. And we see that subhanAllah with the adhkar after salah. SubhanAllah, 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 walhamdulillah, walhamdulillah, walhamdulillah. Understanding, you know, when I first used to say that as a convert, I think, okay, what's the difference between glory to Allah and praises to Allah, right? You think of al-majid, right? And you think of, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhan. And you say, Allahu Akbar, what's the difference? When you start, that's the pondering over it. And you say it every single day after you've just detached from the world in your salah. So without a doubt, you know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala award all of you for tuning in to this. And any program that is reminding you about what Allah said about particular things in our life, about everything in our life, not particular, everything in our life, whether generalized or specified through the sunnah of the Prophet or other verses in the Quran, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all for tuning in to the dua book that is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. I'll never forget another statement with Shaykh Abdul Masih al-Abadi, a Shaykh in the Haram. He taught us in the third year in Hadith. I two things. You know, he said, uh, I asked him at the end of class, it was in Ramadan, and I asked him, I was like, Shaykh, and I went up to him, you know, he, you know, he, he had his, his, his son with him was in our class as well. And uh, he said, uh, I said, Shaykh, what, what, what's more preferable in Ramadan? 
you know, a talab al ilm or, uh, you know, praying, you know, in the middle of the night. And he said, uh, in, in his virtuous month, he said, talab al ilm yutlab arba ashreen sa'a. He looked at me, he looked at me, but, you know, Sheikh was blind, saying that this is something that is 40, you know, it's, it's your whole life. But there are certain virtuous practices in Ramadan it's important for you to embark upon. You know, it's something that's very, very important. And also in the Haram, he said something very profound. I'll never forget, this was in my second year. You know, somebody was asking about, I don't mean to turn, turn this into a dua lesson, but it was something that was a qaida for me. It was a general rule for me and for all of us as Muslims, inshallah. You know, many people would come with um, their own duas, right? They would come with, Sheikh, what about this dua? It has a good meaning behind it. But then the Sheikh says, subhanAllah, he said, subhanAllah, he said, how many du'as from the Prophet that we have in front of us and we haven't memorized them before we go to our own understanding of what we may consider as good. Not to say that it is not, but we have to remember this is from the messenger of God. So there are going to be meanings that are apparent to you and there are going to be meanings that may not be apparent to you today but when you face that encounter later in your life, you're like, oh, so now I understand why he said it in this sequence. Now I understand why he mentioned it in this fashion, why he chose this word. Now I understand the context of what he said. It was an answer to a question or it was a response to something. You're not going to get that except with the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, you know, I highly implore you all. I want to thank you all, mashallah, after thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tuning in to, to just get it some reminder about the Quran and inshallah tuning into that ebook with the Prophet and how he spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the best way to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the Quran as well. And that's a segue to what I want to talk about in regards to the Ridha with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being pleased. You know, it's interesting that Shaykh Tahir mentioned about the companions as well. We say, may Allah be pleased with them because they were pleased with Allah. And they were the companions because of what they did, their struggle. It wasn't just given to them. It was a struggle that they went through. Hence, you have darajats and levels of companions in regards to virtue. So when we look at this verse in the Quran, you know, whenever I teach my children, the youth, anyone, new Muslims about wudu, I start with 5-6. Chapter 5, verse 6. The chapter of Ma'idah, verse 6. The table spread, uh, verse 6. And this is the verse that speaks about wudu. This is a verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets a little more descriptive when speaking about wudu, mentioning the body parts of that should be washed. And if there's no uh, water that is available, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates with sa'id and tayyib. And scholars differ what is sa'id and tayyib, but it is the turab or the ramal or the dust, you will, or the, uh, 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 we would say, the dust or the sand or the particles that come up, that elevate from the earth, whether it is on a surface, a hard surface, or that which is the actual dirt from the ground, we see that our scholars have explained that extensively. So understanding that, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after he says, A'udhu minna rashana jeem, Ya ayu aladheena amanu, idha kumtum ila salati, fawksidu wujuhukum wa aydiyakum ila al-marafiq. Wumsakhu biru'usikum wa arjulakum ila al-ka'bain. Wa arjulakum ila al-ka'bain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, oh you, oh you who believe. When you stand for prayer, or if you plan to stand for prayer, wash your faces and your hands to the elbows, including the elbows. And wipe your heads and wash your feet. 
and he says to wipe your head and to wash your feet to the ankles and then he mentions certain concessions and if you were in a state of impurity from being intimate and this is to make ghusl because of the morphologic makeup of the word Allah continues on and to mention certain circumstances which would allow you or give you the concession uh, by using turab or using uh, dust or dirt to purify yourself in the absence of water. But I, what I want to capitalize on here is the last portion of the verse. And as I mentioned before, and as, uh, mashallah, many of the mufassirin and the ulama in particular, uh, uh, and I love what Imam Abdurrahman bin Sa'di, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, who died around 1376 after Hijri, he mentions, subhanAllah, you know, in this verse, 5 1, 51 benefits from this verse. 51. What kind of pondering is that over this verse? 51 benefits over this verse. Also, Imam Asadiyah, when he, at the end of the verse, as I mentioned before, the names at the end of a verse, when Allah brings his names at the end of a verse, he always ties it to the context, to liven the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and bring that life in our hearts to where when we face a particular situation, we remember this particular name. So here at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيَجْعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ حَرَجٍ وَلَكِنْ يُرِيدُ لِيُطَهِّرَكُمْ وَلِيُتِمَّ نِعْمَتَهُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ نِعْمَتَهُ عَلَيْكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ he says here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not intend for you any burden. And this is important because when Allah mentions his intention, this is important for us to take heed to, as every verse is. But you will find sometimes Allah will mention iradatahu, hukmihi. He will mention one of his intentions or motives or objectives or wisdom, if you will, behind the legislation. Because many times when we hear halal or haram, we think good, bad, or allowed and not allowed. And it becomes sometimes jaff or dry. You know, sometimes in Islamic law, we think of it as something that has no life to it. We have to remember that anything that is halal or haram has a maqsad shari'i behind it. It has an Islamic objective behind it, which ultimately is to fulfill those five maqasid that we know, the Islamic objectives. And one of them is preservation of life, preservation of religion, preservation of money, preservation of honor, preservation of the, the uh, genealogy or the offspring. So when we see here, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he does not want to cause any burden upon you. And that is very important when you may face something that is hard in your life that Allah has predestined for you to happen. Know that he doesn't want anything bad for you. He doesn't want to make this hard on you to where you will leave. Islam or to where you will leave a certain practice of Islam or to you you will leave what Islam may deem as decent or may deem as civilized and you may not deem it as though because of what you may be facing in your life he does not want that hardship so automatically know that this sharia has been brought for you to replenish your fitrah to replenish your soul to keep it aligned that's important for us from the very beginning or any time that we read a ruling in Islam or hear about a ruling in Islam, that Allah only wants for you the best, better than you want for your own self. So that's the first thing. Walakin, rather, 
He wants for you what? Rather, he only wishes to clean you, to cleanse you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to cleanse you from two primary aspects, from the, the aspect of your heart being your faith, being your connection, being the close knit that you have with God. And that is exactly what the word aqidah means. That the heart's connection with their Lord. That is what, exactly what the word means. So how tight is that connection? How tight is that knot, that bond with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He wants to cleanse that. He wants to make sure that it's pure. He wants to make sure that it's consistent with what he wants from you. And that's why when the Prophet was ordered, he said, When he ordered him to go and call the people to Islam and call the people to the message, he said, And your garments purify them. Some scholars are mentioning that it is, you know, the deen that you are calling to, the aqidah, the faith, call to that which is pure. Call to that which is the message that you've been given of Tawheed, of the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he wants to purify you, but you notice the context before that is the purification of the limbs. The purification of the limbs, which is a direct manifestation of the purification of the heart. Because someone can easily ask, as our children may have asked, why do I have to wash my face and only to my elbows? Why can't I just wash my hands? Why would I use dirt? To purify myself. Why can't I just use, you know, the disinfectant or what we're using nowadays, all of this? Does that take the place? Right? Well, because it goes beyond your understanding. This is the religion of Allah that is legislated. We are not the legislators. It is upon us to be the practitioners of the legislation. That is our responsibility. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends it and he wants to complete the perfection upon you. He wants to complete uh, his blessings upon you. And that is important as we see many times in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions ni'mah, he mentions itmam. He mentions completion, to complete it upon you. And this is a completion of the deenul kamil. This is an aspect of it because this is just one aspect of the sharia, which is wudu, which is tahara, wudu or ghusl. And there are many other Practices that are manifestations of our allegiance to the Lord that inshallah we are pleased with. And then after that, at the very end, he says, perhaps you may be ever thankful. Looking at all of these rulings and situations that he mentions, he mentions uh, in explanation and he's, he expounds upon it of how you purify yourself. He says at the very end, subhanAllah, perhaps when you think and ponder over this and other than that from the rulings in Islam, what he has given you, perhaps you will say, thank you, Allah. Perhaps you'll be thankful. Perhaps you'll reminisce, as Sheikh Tahir was mentioning, how this deen of Islam, there's nothing like it. There's nothing to the level of Islam that brings you serenity, that brings you peace, that brings you honor, that brings you justice, that brings you might, that brings you strength of integrity, but it's a small window of, for you to make an effort. And I'll end with the beautiful statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, that we are thankful for this deen. When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as many of us know this hadith on Aisha radiallahu anha, when she mentioned that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was standing in prayer, that his two feet would crack 
he would stand in prayer in the middle of the night to this degree. And then she asked him, more Messenger of Allah, are you praying to Allah SWT and your previous and, and future sins have been forgiven? And what does he say in one riwayah? He said, shall I not be a thankful abd, a thankful servant or a thankful slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So when seeing this beautiful verse, chapter 5, the verse of Ma'idah, verse 6, we remember how Allah loves us by bringing us the methodology and practice and process of purification, which which ultimately leads and strengthens and is a sign of the purification of the heart. When we ponder over that, let's at least show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by doing these actions of worship. Barakallahu. Shaykh, this is the weekend edition, so like this is the the longest uh, Quran thirty for thirty in history. But I know no one's complaining. I'm not complaining either. <laughs> I love you both dearly, mashallah. May Allah subhanahu wa preserve you both and be pleased with you both. I mean, and I mean. this was extremely beneficial, mashallah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna Shaykh, pass let me, Yeah, you're lot. Bismillah. Go ahead. Yeah, let me. I, I know it's 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 the longest, so let's just go ahead and keep making it longer, right? <laughs> um, just break all the records, I guess. But but there's something you know phenomenal about what what um, Sheikh Abdullah just said, and he, you know he talked about the the benefits that uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman bin Nasr al-Sa'idi, rahimahullah, in his tafsir pulls out from that ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah. And he says, you know, think think about the contemplation that had to go into pulling out 51, you know, mm-hmm. benefits from this ayah. And I, I just want to I want to say, because we're doing Quran 30 for 30, and even though, you know, it's June 6, I, the entirety of the Quran needs our tadabbur. You know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because th- there's, th- there's, the, there's an opposite, right? There's tadabbur, and then there's just your heart has a lock on it. Afalaya tadabbaroon al-Quran. Do they not ponder over the Quran? Now, mind you, this actually is addressing the kuffar, right? This is addressing people who have not believed in the message. So if if they are being chastised for not pondering over the Quran, they don't believe it in any way, then, you know, what about the Muslims? Like, we really should be honoring this book by contemplating its verses, right? Or are these hearts locked? Are there they're like, you know, locks on these hearts? Well, well, here's the answer. If there is a lock on any of our hearts, then it, there's a solution to that. We turn to Al-Fatah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the opener. He'll open that heart, right? He'll let the light of revelation come to that heart. But we have to turn to him. And this is the best month to do that. This is the best month, you know, to, to build that connection with the Quran. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us foremost the people of the Quran. Amen. May Allah be pleased with you both, your families. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with us all and make us pleasing to him. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullah for the beautiful session. It took, uh, like to the literal, let's go, let's go remember Allah for an hour. It made it literal, you know, we, 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 but, but it was beautiful. And, and I, I, I doubt that anyone is complaining. So Sheikh Thar, I hope we have you back. Uh, Sheikh. Uh, yeah, barakallahu feek. I, I believe, I believe so next week, I think, inshallah. Inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Everyone remember, download the books, go to yaqinas2.org slash Ramadan. Also, please do donate and support our work with the Nahi Ta'ala as we continue to put out free content. 
بارك الله فيكم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته Imagine an Islamic school teacher. Imagine her curious students. Imagine her teaching a concept as she usually does. Imagine a student raising his hand and asking a question. But that question is beyond her scope to answer, and she doesn't know how to address it. Imagine that teacher has a resource, has a place to go to that gives her a teaching tool that not only simplifies the process for her, but gives her the chance to answer the very real questions students ask accurately. Imagine the confidence with which she can deliver. Imagine how she can break down a big concept in a visual way. Imagine the impact and the positive change that confidence will inspire in her students. Imagine how satisfied and motivated he'll feel. Know that you no longer need to imagine.